listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. June 16th, uh, 2020, USA Today shared the story of Dominic Battle. He awoke in the middle of the night uh, with some sort of uh, tightness in his chest. No big deal, probably just uh, another round of heartburn. Later that uh, afternoon, he spent time playing tag with his kids and, and painting the family's deck. And Courtney, his wife, she didn't seem too bothered by the situation. Dominic had uh, struggled with heartburn since the day they first started dating. But that night, as she was putting the children to bed, she could, uh, she called, could hear her husband call to her. And as she raced downstairs, she took one look at him and, and knew something was, was terribly wrong. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm having a heart attack, he said. And his wife quickly grabbed the phone and dialed 911, but Dominic was, was hesitant to go to the hospital. In the height of the pandemic, they were told over and over again not to go to the hospital unless you absolutely can't breathe. Courtney said um, maybe he just didn't think whatever he was experiencing was warranted that much of an emergency visit because we were told, don't go unless you're about to die. These beds are reserved for COVID. That was the message that stuck with us. She listened to her gut and called anyway, and still, even when the paramedics were at the house, uh, Dominic just dragged his feet about going to the hospital, uh, but finally gave in. And he stood up to go with them. We said, I love you. We kissed, Courtney recalled, and he went down. Paramedics immediately tried to revive him, but it was too late. And Battle died of a heart attack in his own home, and he was 38 years old. This is the story of a man that brushed off all warning signs that his body was failing him. The story of a man that believed lies that were fed to him. The story of a man that in his stubbornness and in his fear died too young in his own home. And I wonder if that is a spiritual story that many of us are living right now. There is sin and wickedness growing in you unchecked and you know things aren't well but you've dealt with them for so long that you just brush it off as another episode and then your sin you think like ah, I can handle this and I've been here before and it's not a big issue and I can deal with my own problems and then your sin think I don't need anyone to find out I don't need help. Like, what if it makes things work worse? What if people think less of me? What if it went public and turns my life upside down? And yet your spiritual story is no different than Dominic's physical story. Because if you don't take your sin seriously, stubbornness and lies and fear will be the reason that you end up dead. Both spiritually dead and eternally dead. 
So this is a message for those that would rather be blessed than rather be dead. This is a message for those that are willing to walk through this difficult process of repentance. This is a message for those that would rather rejoice in righteousness than have those they love grieve over their spiritual funeral. This is a message of blessing through the process of repentance will be in Psalm 32. I have a digital Bible. It is, uh, I'm just going to read out of the ESV. You have a bulletin, all of the main passages in your bulletin. Uh, but let's pray, then we'll read through 32 together. God, uh, as we come before you, uh, just thinking this morning, praying this morning, I, I pray for expectation. And how many times we walk into a church service and we gather with, with brothers and sisters in Christ and we gather with people that are struggling and gather with people that, that life is going great and life is not and we expect nothing. How? Father, to, to gather and hear from you to sing with the saints, and as we looked last week, to sing with the heavenly beings and expect nothing. God, I, I pray for expectation, not for some sort of feeling or emotional experience. God, we expect to hear from you, and we expect the unchanging truth of the word to, to change us. We might think differently, uh, live differently, feel differently, uh, th that we might have an eternity that, that's at peace with you. God, I pray for understanding in Psalm 32. That in many ways can be a heavy topic, but in, in the best ways is truly the blessing we all need. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Psalm 32, I'm just going to read through the text, and we'll walk through it together. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as the heat of summer. Selah. I did not acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly Offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for him. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. And I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit or bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. So be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Very few times... 
uh, will I teach a message and then the text is just so like crystal clear for an outline. This is one of those messages. So David is about to address something in his own life that I would say will radically change our life. David is going to clearly teach us what the process of repentance actually looks like. And so when I say repentance, we looked at this a few years ago, but when I say repentance, it literally means to change your mind. Meaning we are changing our mind about sin. When we look at the truth of the word, we look at the reality of our own life, and we go, whew, like I'm not, I, I'm not living up to how I should be living. I need to change my mind about the way I'm living and start following what God says. Meaning repentance really isn't just thinking differently, it's also acting differently. But we need to talk about what the process really looks like in the text. I already mentioned the dangers of postponing that repentance, and we'll look at that in depth in a few weeks. But before we get there, we need to look at what the full process actually is. What is the process of repentance? Uh, in your notes, the numbers are goofy. That's on me, okay? There's not a secret. Uh, <laughs> there's not like a secret point I'm not giving you. All right, it's just one, two, three, four. All right, so let me give you point one as we walk through the text. What is the process of repentance? One, grieve your own sin. Grieve your own sin. In verses 1 through 2, I actually seem to mention sin in three different ways. So we see transgression, we see sin, and then we see iniquity. Transgression would be this act of rebellion or disloyalty. Sin would be an act that intentionally misses the will of God. That's why you'll hear people say, well, sin is when you miss the mark, or you miss the will of God. And then iniquity is the wicked act often associated with intentional wrongdoing. Now, to be clear, David isn't sharing that list, so we can just start like categorizing our sin in three different categories. David is sharing that list as a holistic view that all sin, regardless of what you did, or what motive you had in doing it, it's sin. So let me phrase it like this. Sin is a willful act against the will of God. So sin is a willful act against the will of God. And if that's true, who here has sinned before? Let's just raise, I mean, we could take, all right. Like, you don't have to even be a Christian to agree that you have sinned under that biblical definition of sin. So this entire psalm is for those that are humble enough to realize that they have sinned. First John 1, starting in verse 8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Meaning, Psalm 32 applies to you, or you're lying to yourself, and worse, you're calling God a liar. No, we all deal with this. We all have moments, and I'd say far too often, we are willfully acting against the will of God. We all deal with this. David isn't saying in verses 1 through 2 that you will be blessed because of your sin. 
No, David is saying that in your sin there is blessing because there's actually opportunity for forgiveness. That Christ can, can cover your sin with his righteousness. That, that God won't count your, your sin against you because of Christ's righteousness. So true blessing isn't having nice stuff. True blessing is not having a nice house. True blessing isn't having good health. True blessing isn't having your student loans paid for. True blessing is having your sins forgiven and then paid for in Christ. And that blessing is offered to all those that believe. So it's the calling of Christ in Mark's gospel where he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So true blessing is right standing with the holy God. So that's an immediate reality and a lifetime of processing for those that believe in Jesus. Because those that are justified before God are still being sanctified by God. Simply meaning this, like, you can be saved and still wrestle with sin. You can be a Christian and still do things that don't please God. And that's where we find David in verses 3 through 4. So this is a man after God's own heart, but listen to his raw and real emotions in the text. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. In night and day, your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. It's the same language that David uses in the previous psalm, Psalm uh, 31, verse 10, where he says, For my life is spent with sorrow, and my years with sighing, and my strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Every once in a while, um, I'll stop being a perfect husband. I know, I know. And, um, and I'll just forget, I'll forget to take the trash out to the curb before the truck comes, which means now we're stuck with a trash can full of rotting food until the next week. And that trash can, it doesn't like absorb East Tennessee August heat and get better. The smell is terrible. The flies swarm the can. It's festering and rotting and wasting away. Friends, sin kept in silence does not grow sweeter. That's not Psalm 32. Like Ezekiel in a valley of dry bones, David is wasting away in the silence of his sin. He is groaning all day long. The conviction of the Lord was heavy upon him as, as like the, the strength, his, as the summer heat was dried up. We must grieve our sin like David grieves his sin. So sin is not a mistake. A mistake is like when you trip over your own feet. Sin is when you choose to trip over your own feet. So when's the last time you grieved over your own sin? I mean, we love to grieve over other people's sin. And I'm not talking about the sin of your government or your job or that family member or that friend that like, just can't get their life together. When is the last time you grieved over your own sin? So I'll give a, a very careful and pointed warning, if you don't grieve over your own sin, that's a, that's a pretty clear sign you're not a Christian. Like, if you, if you don't grieve over your own sin, that's a pretty clear sign. Like, you don't even have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is John 16. 
starting in verse 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's the truth. It's, it's to your advantage that I go away, Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The helper, the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the children of God will absolutely convict the children of God of their own sin. So how much more should we grieve our sin like David grieves his sin? And then the text says, Selah. So stop and just think about that for a second. Dwell on it. Grieve your own sin. But the process of repentance doesn't end there. There's, a, there's another painful step. Here's point two. Confess your sin to the Lord and others. Listen, listen to the words of David at the beginning of verse 5. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I do not cover up my iniquity. So, so that's like a two-fold confession right there in the text. So once we have grieved our sin, it's now time for confession. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But David, who is writing this psalm, has really made a mess of his life. He's had sex with another man's wife and got her pregnant. It's a pretty big problem. So instead of confessing that sin, he, he tries to cover it up. And so he, um, he brings this woman's husband back from war, thinking like, all right, maybe her husband back from war, he'll have sex with his wife, and he'll just think that, that he got her pregnant. Seems like a decent plan, or at least a cover-up, except the guy was so loyal to David that he refuses to have sex with his own wife while the men are at war. So David's next step, he sends his, this woman's husband to the front lines of battle, and if he can't cover up his sin, maybe he can literally kill it off. And so, yeah, David, he, he's not some church kid that's feeling guilty for not paying attention during the message. No, David has mess, made a mess of his life, and what we eventually find is a confession that becomes twofold. At first, it's a confession to the Lord. You'll see this in Psalm 51 speaking specifically about that situation. Psalm 51.4, David says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So that your sin and my sin, it's really the most grievous because ultimately we're sinning against the Lord alone. However, his confession that we find at the beginning of verse 5 also means that he uncovered his iniquity. L let me put it like this. Um, you haven't confessed anything if you only told the Lord, but you're keeping those things hidden from everyone else. That's not repentance. That's not confession. L let me put it a little more bluntly. Jesus didn't publicly hang naked on a tree so he could privately forgive the sin you aren't unwilling to uncover. God's most gracious act on your life and 
my life might be the uncovering of your sin when you didn't have the guts to do it. Simply meaning like our worst day is not having our sin uncovered. Our worst day is having our sin punished on judgment day. No, God in his good grace uncovered David's sin even when he wasn't willing to do it himself. God in his grace, good grace might expose your sin that you would have preferred to keep secret. And that's not your worst day. That's God's good grace to keep you from eternal death. This is James 1, verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Confess, not to some pope or priest, confess to God, and then fully uncover your iniquity, your sin, to those that you've hurt and those that you trust. So confession is never a private matter under the cover of darkness. What is the process of repentance? Here's point three of the text. Trust that the Lord forgives and offers deliverance. So what you'll see in the text, we get these two selahs in verses 5 through 7. Two moments of pause and reflection at the tail end of forgiveness. So the end of verse 5, it says, You forgave the iniquity of my sin, selah. Do you, do you really believe that? I've already read this verse, but do we believe it? This is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes it's difficult uh, for us to really believe that the Lord will forgive us because we can't even forgive ourselves. And I, I think we have that backwards. We don't like learn to forgive ourselves and then we go to God to ask for forgiveness. No, we just trust. We don't trust in our uh, emotions. We don't trust uh, in our feelings. That trust is built on truth. And the truth is, God really will forgive us when we confess our sins to him. That's the power of Psalm 32, but ultimately the power of the gospel. So whether, regardless of what you've done, whether you have a bunch of sin or transgressions or iniquity in your life, the Lord will forgive you when you confess like, even if, if no one in your life will forgive you, even if your sin has ruined every relationship in your life, the power of the gospel reminds us not only can you be forgiven, but your relationship with the Holy God can actually be fully restored in Christ Jesus. So that's what makes like grieving and confessing our sin worth it all, because we can truly be forgiven by the Holy God. And that's awesome, but like, what about that sin that still lingers, right? Have you ever, um, have you ever grieved sin, confessed sin, been forgiven by sin, and then you just like, you still struggle with that sin? See, in verses 6 through 7, David is pleading to the Lord that sin won't overtake his life. That's a wise prayer for us to pray. Verse 6, if you're godly, 
Run to God and pray to God. Pray that the great waters of death and destruction won't reach you. Verse 7, if you're godly, run to God your hiding place. Pray that he would preserve you. And in, God, or in David's poetic language, he says, pray that the Lord would surround you with shouts of deliverance. Selah. Here is the power of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. The Lord can deliver you from sin that you struggle with in this life. You believe that one? Like, you really can't give up drugs. And you really can't give up pornography. And you really, really can't give up addiction. And you really can't give up gossip. And you really can't give up that, like, out-of-control anger. I believe in the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver you from your specific sin struggle in this life. I've seen firsthand men and women that have given up addiction for ministry. And yet the flesh still lingers. I shared this story um, before my very, my very first funeral was a father that drank himself to death. And I, don't, I, I, re- I really don't think drinking alcohol is always a sin. You want to talk about that later? I guess we can talk about it. But it was, it was for this man. And alcohol was his greatest demon, and he could just never shake this addiction. And I watched the pain that it inflicted on his ex-wife and then his son. And yet, when I, when I did his funeral, um, I was given his Bible. And yet, he spent his entire life in Christian re- recovery programs, and he loved the Lord. And he read his Bible, and he prayed constantly. Until his last breath, he studied the Word and repented and wrote down these like, beautiful notes of confession in that Bible. I trust he knew the Lord. Alcohol was not his identity. Christ was, and yet he could never shake that demon. So maybe I'm wrong, but I trust he is with the Lord, not from anything he did, but because he knew Christ and Christ knew him. Because I fully trust that even if the Lord doesn't deliver you from a specific sin in this life, he will most certainly deliver his children from all sin forever. So trust Not in your emotions, not in your feelings. Those things come and go, but trust in God's word. If you confess your sin, he will forgive you, and he will deliver you, whether in this life or the next. What's the process of repentance? Let me give you point four. Grow in your understanding of righteousness. Verses 8 uh, through 9 of the passage are certainly one of the most important components in this process of repentance because it is now the Lord who is speaking firsthand to us in this process. Verse 8 says, I will instruct you. I'll teach you the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. So repentance is not just a forgiveness process. It's also a learning process. Meaning we, we, like we must be growing in our knowledge of the word and how to walk in the word as we're repenting of sin. Um, as David put it in verse 9, he says, well, like, we don't want to be a, like a horse or a mule with no understanding. We don't want to act like an animal that needs a, a bit just so they won't wander off. No, the goal is not just to be saved. The goal is to be sanctified. Meaning the goal of repentance is really to look more and more like Christ. Here's the distinction of the text. 
Growth happens from the Lord's work in us as we read and study and understand his word. Growth never happens just by willing it to happen. That's like me standing in the mirror at Planet Fitness and just like wishing I got skinnier and wishing I got stronger. That will never happen, primarily because I canceled my membership. Um, But it will also never happen because like no good intentions replace the real thing. You won't grow if you're not being instructed and taught and counseled by by the Lord and his word. Like it will not happen. Repentance is designed for us to grow in our standing, understanding of righteousness, meaning like 20 years from now, you and I should not be struggling with the same sin in the exact same way that we are right now. As we've discussed, either the Lord has fully, will fully deliver you from that sin, or you've at least put up some boundaries and have some level of accountability in your life, grieving your sin. Confessing your sin, being forgiven of your sin, doesn't mean we are now free to run back to that same sin. This is what the Bible says about this topic. Second Peter 2, verse 21. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit. And after washing herself, it it just returns to wallow in the mire. When we return to the same sin over and over and over again without learning anything, like we're, we're acting like a dog eating its own vomit or a pig wallowing in its own filth. And to be fair, we've all done it. It's just not the goal. The goal is growth in our understanding of righteousness. We grow. We surround ourselves with, with, with godly people that will keep you accountable and help you grow. Don't act like a dog or a pig or a horse or a mule that goes about with no understanding. Grow in your understanding of righteousness. Several years ago, I, um, I had countless conversations with a college guy that was really wrestling with his own sin. And we'd talk in my office, uh, we would talk in the student room, we would talk uh, on the phone, we would talk before and after youth group, and he just felt, he felt miserable in his sin about like 99% of the time. And he knew the gospel, and he knew the word, and he knew what he needed to do, but he just felt stuck. We talked for hours about how to, to not like, feel that way all the time. I, I heard from him last week. We're going to talk at 1 o'clock this Wednesday. He f- just finished Bible college, um, wants to, be, uh, to go into full-time ministry and doing so much better than those early days. But I, I think so much of our anguish and sin is rooted in being stuck somewhere in that process of repentance. So if you only ever grieve your sin, you will either feel like a miserable piece of trash or you will feel like a victim in this life. And there's a lot of people that are stuck in grief that need to move on towards confession. 
And if you only ever confess your sin to the Lord, but not anyone else, you'll still be living a lie because you'll still not have uncovered your sin to those that you've actually sinned against. If you only ever confess your sin to the Lord and to others, but never accept the truth that you're actually forgiven, you'll spend the rest of your life unable to forgive yourself. If you only ever pray for forgiveness, but never actually learn anything, you'll live in this perpetual frustration and you'll act like a dog that just by instinct eats its own vomit. We don't get to skip a step. We most certainly can't get stuck in a step because if you grieve, if you confess, if you trust and you grow, but never get to verse 11, you'll, really you'll miss out on the best part. What's the process of repentance? Let me give you your summary point. From verses 10 through 11, rejoice in righteousness. Verse 11 says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Repentance often has a bad reputation in church life, and I get it. Um, It's often used more as a weapon than anything else, but repentance is the most painful and joyful process we can go through as a follower of Christ because the end of repentance is actually the beginning of rejoicing. That's David's language, that we might literally be called righteous, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It truly is a blessed process of repentance, that we might become the righteousness of God through the work of Christ, that we, that we grieve, we confess, we trust, we grow, but we don't forget to rejoice. I'm going to end service differently than we usually do. Um, Really to end with a time of repentance for you to walk through that process, even this morning. Uh, So we're going to play a song uh, over speakers. Actually, there'll be a video on the screen. I just invite you to reflect on Psalm 32, to grieve, to confess, to grow, to rejoice. Um, But if, if you want to pray with someone, By all means, find someone or I'll pray with you. If you just want, just you and the Lord need to spend time together, read through Psalm 32, pray. Uh, But this is a time of response and prayer. And so...